Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a big clap offering in the house this morning. Man, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. So good to see everybody. Even if you're watching online, welcome. It's good to, to, to have you join us today on, on, uh, online. And so it's good to see all your bright, smiling faces on this 4th of July weekend. Amen? How many of you guys are ready to barbecue, be with your family? Just invite me. I'll come over and eat all your food while you're preparing. But just once again, I want to reiterate, just like what Pastor said, thank you to all of the men and women who served in the armed forces, allowed us to have the freedom that we have. Amen? And I'm so grateful for that. Um, not only that, I also wanted to, to thank Pastor John and Pastor Jenny. How many of you guys enjoyed the Origins uh, uh, series that just passed? Amen? That was awesome. And I just really uh, uh, commend him and his wife uh, as our lead pastors for, that took, a lot of, that, that took a lot of courage to do. That's not the normal thing to do. That's not the, the, the in thing to do. But man, I just praise the Lord that him and uh, uh, Pastor and, and his wife took the courage to step out of the boat, go for it, knowing that they, they took a big shot at, at um, uh, 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 culture today and they knew that there could have been some backlash. But I'm thankful he said that one of these days when he gets to heaven, he's gonna be accountable for what came forth out of the pulpit. And uh, so I really am. When I thought about that, I was like, man, you know what? There's a lot of churches who won't dare to step on those things. And I'm just so grateful that we have a pastor that is willing to go above and beyond to make sure that people hear the truth. And so just honored that, um, to have him do that, but also honored for the opportunity to speak the word this morning. Um, me and my family are doing good. It's good. I have my wife here. My beautiful queen is in the house with me. You guys can give her a big round of applause. That'll help me to stay out of trouble. You acknowledge your wife, you'll always stay out of trouble, right, Tim? Right, right that's right. And uh, so I'm so, so uh, blessed, my wife, and also my son who's in the back uh, somewhere. But recently I started to coach high school football again. And I've, I've loved it for so many years, coached it for a little bit, and um, started to coach at Whittier Christian High School. And uh, yes, it's a great, uh, it's a great school. And I uh, got there, and, and they asked me to come and to coach the defensive line and help out with the offensive line. So I said, yeah, sure, why not? Came out there, and, and uh, I, I'm a whole different person on the field than I am. <laughs> Pastor John saw me at my last school, and he told Sandy, he goes, wow, I can hear Junior from way up here. <laughs> and uh, that's without a microphone. And, and uh, when I got to this school, I was out there, and I was running, running the kids pretty hard and, and told them the culture will change here. And one kid, he was dying on the side of the field, and I said, get up, either get strong or get off my field. He looked up, he goes, aren't you my pastor? And I go, <laughs> I go, hey, I'm not your pastor, John Reeves, your pastor. I'm just one of the guys who help out. By the way, get up and get out of here. And, um, and uh, so it's, it's an honor, but not just, uh, just a, a regular person going to the church uh, is on my team. I also have one of the pastor's kids that's also playing on the team, uh, Pastor Joe and Julie Valenzuela's son, Joey. So Joey's out there too. 
And uh, it's the first time he's ever played football, and he's coming along pretty well. He's got injured a couple times, but boy, he's sticking it out, and he's helping. Sometimes he gets confused. He's like, Pastor, which way do I, I go? No, 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 I'm, I'm coach out here. He goes, right, 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 Pastor, I mean coach. And then, uh, so we'll be traveling together, but I think one of the best parts about coaching at Whittier Christian is having on the sideline on the varsity cheer is Pastor John's oldest child, Nevaeh, she's out there with us, so she's going to be running in pom-poms and, 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 and screaming out there, and all three of us are going to be traveling. So if you want to see Nevaeh on the sidelines cheering and yelling, or you want to see Joey on the field, or hey, maybe you want to see me out there yelling and screaming at everybody, come out on a Friday night and we'll have some fun at a high school football game. Amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet today as we read God's Word. But before we read God's word, let me pray. Father, we just come before you today. Lord, I feel your presence in the house. And I just pray that today, if whoever's watching, whoever's in the house, Lord God, I pray today that there would be a supernatural shift that would take place. I ask you today, Lord God, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to fill this room. Holy Spirit, take your rightful place, your rightful seat, in this house. Touch your people as we hear your word. Lord, after it's all said and done, put me down and may you be put back up to receive all the glory and the honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone says, amen. Hopefully they'll have it on the screen. But Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 to 51, the Bible says, then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. That moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. Then Luke chapter 23, verses 44 to 46 says, By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell on across the whole land until three o'clock. 45 says that the light from the sun was gone. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down in the middle. Then verse 46 says, Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. Why don't you turn around and greet somebody, high-five them, and you may be seated. Tell them it's good to see you this morning. And you may be seated in the house of the Lord today. But the title of my message today or this morning is there's freedom at the cross. There's freedom at the cross. Today I want to shed some light on why there's freedom at the cross. And I believe that today, in today's everyday life, I believe people are looking for freedom. Everybody's looking for some kind of freedom. They're moving across town. They're moving out of state because they're tired of California trying to lock them up. So they're looking for freedom, right? And I'm like, don't, don't worry. You'll get to Texas somewhere down the line. It's going to still go over there anyway. So you're just prolonging the situation. But everybody's looking for freedom. Whether you're looking for freedom from finances you're looking for financial freedom. You're looking for freedom from stress, freedom from sickness. I don't know how many people have been fighting sickness and people are getting sick and people are looking for freedom. They're looking for the next antidote that will keep them from being sick. 
Some are looking for freedom from drug addiction. They want to be free. They want to be free from, from being addicted to drugs. There's people that want to be free from anger, free from loneliness. And you know what? Believe it or not, people want to be free from rejection. There's so many kids that are in school today that are so, they're bound by the spirit of rejection. Another thing is, people want freedom from abuse. Whether it be verbal, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, they're looking for freedom. But some are looking for this freedom in all kinds of false places. Old song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. But today I want to remind you today that the freedom that I'm talking about is at the cross. That's the title of my sermon today. There's freedom at the cross. But some people that have been looking for freedom have obtained some kind of freedom. Somehow, some way, they've, they've received some kind of freedom. But the freedom they've received, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the house, the freedom you may have now and may, you may have obtained, if it's not at the cross, then it's short-lived. It's temporary. Maybe you think you found freedom in money, but that won't last long. Maybe you think you found freedom through some kind of form of entertainment, but that won't last long. Maybe you feel that you're going to find freedom if you complete and you, your, your educational journey, your academic journey, and you're going to have four letters after your name, and you feel like, man, that's going to be freedom for me. But then there comes the loan behind there, and there's no freedom in that. Maybe you feel like you found freedom through relationships, but that will break very soon. All of that is very short-lived. Why? Because it's not freedom from the cross. Today I want to talk to you about a freedom that only could come through the finished work of Calvary. That's the freedom I want to talk to you about today. Right now, you look at the firework boots and it says freedom. Freedom. But when you go and get a couple firecrackers and a couple sparklers, there is no freedom at the price. You're paying a lot of money for a couple things. It amazes me how people buy so much fireworks to watch all your money go up in smokes with just in within 45 minutes. And the worst thing is you think you bought a lot of fireworks and you have some cat that just came from Mexico and blows up the whole neighborhood. And your, your fireworks mean nothing to what he brought back. And you look and you go, I pay $800 for just a couple pop, pop, pop. And this guy came back and blew up the whole neighborhood. That's really not freedom at all. Did you know that Jesus' death was so powerful that the Bible says that the earth shook and the veil ripped right in half? It ripped right in half. Some may ask, last night I talked about the veil, but I forgot to... To, to give a meaning of the veil. Some of people may be in here today or watching online, and they say, yeah, I heard the scripture at the beginning of the book of Matthew. It says when Jesus died, the veil was ripped. What is the veil? Here's the veil. Here's the purpose. The purpose of the veil was to hide and to bar everyone from entering the symbolic presence of God except the high priest on the day of atonement. The only way the high priest could stand alive on the other side of the veil was by sprinkling on the veil the blood of the substitute sacrifice. 
The purpose of the, way, the veil was to keep out, keep people out of the holies of holies. It reminded every sinful man that he could not approach God except by his, uh, except by his prescribed means. It stood in the way to God's presence. It was a closed door. Not just anyone could go behind the veil. The only one who could enter the holies of holies and remain alive was the high priest. But the high priest had to come with the blood of the sacrifice, of the substitute sacrifice. And then only on the day of atonement, the book of Exodus chapter 26, verses 31 to 35, and Leviticus chapter 16 explains when he could go inside. And it was only one day, and that was the day of atonement. He could never go in there without the blood. It was a constant reminder that sin separated man from God. So before Jesus was crucified, man couldn't enter the holies of holies. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 20 associates the veil of the temple with Jesus' flesh. His flesh was crucified and he died. And when he died, the veil was torn right in half. Man, if you read the measurements on how thick and how wide this, the veil was, natural men could not tear it in half. Something had to happen for that thing to split down the middle. Not to the side, not horizontal, not, not, not sideways. It ripped right in half. Tony, it's good to see you. Tony Landeros, that's you, huh? I'm believing for your miracle, brother. The Bible says that when he died, it was torn. And when he died, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit, I commend my spirit. Plainly saying that he totally, totally let go. His life and completely, he put everything in the Father's hands. When I think about Jesus' death and how it cracked open the veil and what he had to go through on the cross just so that you and I can have full access to his presence, I'm amazed and I sit there and I say, wow, he went through a lot. So that me and you can be able to go into his presence without no cost. It reminded me how often the Jordan River was mentioned in the Bible. And I remember how significant this river was. You remember the movie of the Ten Commandments? All I remember was Charlton Heston standing there. And I remember when he raised his hand, that the, and back then the graphics were horrible. But back then we thought they were cool. But now you look back and you go, wow. But how they were able to illustrate the separation of the waters. That's when I think about the Jordan River. I, I was thinking about when he was on the cross. But I also think about certain people in the Bible, how they had to cross the Jordan that stood as a, bear, a barrier between them and their destiny. When I say destiny, I mean between them and their ability to fulfill God's plan for their lives. I think of Israel had to cross the Jordan they had to cross the Jordan just to get into the promised land. I think of Elijah, how he left Gilead and crossed Jordan to minister in Israel. 
I think of Elisha crossing the Jordan after seeing Elijah leave. And he too, the Bible says, ministered in Israel. But I think the greatest thing that ever happened in the Jordan was when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. And he was anointed by the Holy Ghost. And things begin to happen. I believe the Jordan was like a barrier that was in the way of God's people getting to fulfill their God-given destiny. I think about the servicemen and the servicewomen that were up here, the men that were up here, and I think about the things, the dangerous paths that they had to cross just for you and for me to have the freedom we have here in America. I think about that. What was their Jordan? Where was the Jordan that they had to cross to make sure that the children that they would probably never see in their lifetime would be able to, to, to embrace the freedom that was the, was the after and the post, uh, 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 it, it was the post answer for their, their ability to cross the dangerous path. Some of us today are probably looking at your Jordan and you're wondering, when will I ever overcome my Jordan? When will I be able to cross over the river? When will I ever be able to get past this thing that has forever stood in front of me, keeping me from accomplishing God's will for my life? And the question to you today is this, what is your Jordan? What is the Jordan that is standing right in front of you that's keeping you from getting to the other side and fulfilling God's plan for your life? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it your career? Is it your job? Is it your marriage? What is it? What struggle is it that is keeping you from crossing your Jordan today? Let me tell you something. Did you know that you were created to overcome and not survive? It says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of the testimony. You were created. Listen to me. Look at me right here. Look at me, you and the camera. Look at home. You were created to overcome. Christians don't just survive. We overcome. We don't survive. Survive means you barely made it. No, we overcome. You overcome by the power of your testimony and the power of the blood. And I don't know who you are this morning, but you have to understand today you were created to win. You were created to overcome. No matter what the Jordan is today, my friend, I want you to know that you were created to overcome. You're probably at home today. You probably say, Pastor Junior, you have no idea what it is to live as a single mom, raising my children, not having enough money to make ends meet. Gas is expensive. I want you to know today you weren't created to just survive. You will overcome. You were created to win. God doesn't create losers. He creates winners. Doesn't make a mistake. You were created to win. Did you know when Elisha, the people of Israel, had to cross the Jordan? And when they did, it was evident. When people saw it, they knew it was evident that the power of God was the thing that got them through. See, Elisha's mantle opened the Jordan. 
The Ark of the Covenant opened the Jordan when Israel passed into Canaan. The Holy Spirit anointed Jesus in the Jordan, and he went in following that and attacking, not just attacking, but he killed temptation and killed the enemy's plan for your life. And that's why we win. Why? Because there's freedom at the cross. See, the devil cannot mess with someone who has crossed their Jordan. Cannot. When people cross their Jordan, it's almost like a cross to a vampire. Like, you know, remember that? You know, they would come with the cross. When you cross your Jordan, it makes the enemy mad. I'm sure all hell knows when you cross your Jordan, they get pretty upset down there when they know that you cross your Jordan. Because of his death, there's freedom at the cross. When your Jordan is crossed, it's like being able to go beyond the veil back in the tabernacle. When you cross your Jordan, it's, it's as if you were back there back in the day in the, in the inner courts and you were able to pass up the veil. Why? Because the presence of God is behind the veil. And when Jesus died, the Bible says that it tore in two. You got full access once he died. When you cross it, I believe something begins to take place in man's life. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord dwelt behind the veil in the temple on the Ark of the Covenant. And on that Ark, the Bible says that his glory sat on the mercy seat, right on top of it, that his presence was right there. I wish I had a picture for some of you who don't know what the Ark of the Covenant looked like. It had gold on it, and it held the presence of the Almighty God. There was nothing more holier than was in than what was being held beyond the veil. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil ripped and fellowship was wide open for you and for me. It was like when Disney's gates opened very early, people start running in. They're going to get on as many rides. And when they get to that ride that they want to get to, they're so happy. Then they figure out there's 300 more rides you got to get on. And by the time you get to all those rides, more people are there. But when I see how happy people are when they're running into those gates, man, I bet that's how it feels when you cross over your Jordan. Being able to be in the presence of the Almighty God. When the veil was torn, access was automatic for you and for me. And fellowship began. When, you're, when you cross your Jordan into a powerful walk with God, it's also passing the veil into fellowship with God. See, fellowship is translated in the New Testament from the same Greek word koinonia that is translated also as communion. All over the nation today, this is the first weekend of the month. And I always remember the first weekend, the first Sunday was communion Sunday. An opportunity that we get to reflect on the goodness of God and all that he's done for us. And when I think about the word communion, I look at it, the root word in there is union. When you fellowship with God, you come into union with him. 
You may, if, if you don't, if you haven't come across that Jordan or come into union with him, you may feel his presence to a degree throughout your life. But when you cross your Jordan or when you cross the veil, you come into a full union with God. You fellowship with him in his fullness. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and it will keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great, it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. When you come into union with him, you are rooted in his love. When you commune with him, you're rooted in God's love. You're grounded. Nothing can move you. You're not easily moved. People can come and say different things, but you're not easily moved. I teach my linemen, you dig your cleats in the ground and you stay your ground and you protect the prize that's behind you, that's your quarterback. You defend him from the enemy. You dig inside and you stand your ground. That's what happens when you're rooted in the love of God. When you cross your Jordan, you come into full union with God. Satan fears those who can cross their Jordan. It irritates him when you have left his dungeon of sin and you break into full fellowship with God. When you realize that you had all the victory this whole time, this whole time that you've been moping and groping in the darkness because you never knew that the story has a good ending. It's like WWF wrestling, remember those days? You were out there, you were rooting, you were mad at Freddie Blassie and you were, you were, you were mad at Iron Sheik and you were upset. Now, those are the old wrestlers, that's real wrestling. That was wrestling. Now you got show. You don't know any of those things. But you were so upset you watched it. But little did you know they were best friends. They made you to believe that it was real. They are, the, the victory was already pre-orchestrated before the lights came on. Do you know that's just like your spiritual life? You got the victory. It was already pre-written. Once Calvary took place in the cross, you had the victory. I remember Pastor Bob said, so what? If I die here, what's the worst that could happen? I wake up in the presence of the Almighty. So I wake up right eye to eye with God. Remember that's what John, Pastor John said one time. He said, oh what? Just like his dad, he said, so what? If I die, the worst is I'll be with my dad and I'll be in the presence of God. Ain't nothing better than that. You got the victory, man. Men and women, you have the victory. You watching online, you got the victory. Everything is pre-written already. You got the victory. You just got to know that this morning that you have the victory. Why? Because there's freedom at the cross. I'm almost done. Do you know you were created to impact lives? You were created to win, created to march forward. You were created to pour out, to spill out, to point people back to the cross. 
You were created to love people back to life. Because that's what Jesus did. He went on Calvary, he went on the cross. That was his opportunity and his ability to love people back to life. When you cross the Jordan, you come into union with the heartbeat of God. That is why when people cross their Jordan, they begin impacting others very quick. Why? Because they got the heart of God. There comes a time when you have to mature. Your soul cannot be tended by pastor forever. You gotta grow up, you need to cross your Jordan. Just as I crossed mine, and I started to live a life that impact other people because I knew that I had the victory. God never intended to be preserved in salvation all your life without influence others. Never intended for you to keep him just to yourself, but share him with the world. That's what you're called to do. The lack of ministry or the, 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 the lack of the ability to affect people for the cause of Jesus Christ means this. There's lack of fellowship with God. If you refuse to share the good news of Jesus with people, that means there's a lack of fellowship with God. We're here to help you. Here at the cause as pastors, leaders, and staff, we're here to help you. We've been built as coaches to help you, to coach you over your Jordan. We will never speak about something we've never been from. We can never talk about what it is to struggle in life or struggle or fight the enemy. We can never tell you what it is unless we've been through it. You've got people here that are on staff or, or leadership or pastors who know what second chance is. And that's what Calvary was. It was another chance for you to have a second chance at living for the Lord. First John chapter one, verses one through four. We proclaim to you that the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and have seen, We've saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who, who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was with, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. Your joy comes when you spend time with the Father. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.